millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the lovely Golding Accountancy. If you're self-employed, your tax return is due tomorrow, so if you haven't done it, contact Golding Accountancy. (laughs) I mean, it's not going to get done by tomorrow, is it? But uh, yeah, they might be able to help you out. How are you? I am okay, I'm ill again, my endometriosis and or cysts, because who knows what it is, are playing up again. I'm a bit uh, over it all to be honest, because I feel like as soon as I get back up and running, it starts off again, but I have been in touch with the hospital and uh, I've got an appointment in May, so, (laughs) oh, fingers crossed it'll all be sorted. Anyway, I'm going to stop moaning because this week I was joined by the lovely Zoe, who some of you may know as the Chief Shepherdess. Um, She's become a bit of an internet sensation lately. Basically, she was a hairdresser who became a farmer randomly. And I, she used to work with my uh, mate Nicole. Nicole's kind of like my podcast agent at the moment because everyone I've had on has got connections to her. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Nicole basically kind of taught Zoe to hairdress. And then one thing led to another and she's now a farmer. But it, it's we had a lovely chat. It was really interesting to learn all about different aspects of farming and what led her. It's a very involved story about what actually led her to becoming a farmer. So it's two episodes. Um, but it was lovely. She's a lovely girl. It was a good laugh. And I hope you enjoy it. And this is the first part. All right. See you in a bit. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Work. Work. What do you like to be called? <laughs> Shepherdess. No. Oh. Zoe? What? Zoe. 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 Um, the chief yeah, that's fine. The chief shepherdess was just a, jo- a joke that kind of got has now got out of hand. But oh. <laughs> um, people say sh- people do say shepherdess, but um, yeah, farmer shepherdess. Like I don't really doesn't really matter. Whatever you feel comfortable with, really. I'll call you Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to start like this because you've already explained some stuff, so that's all great. So yeah. I found you you used to work with my best friend Nicole many yeah. years ago in a salon and I remember my memory's really bad but I remember her saying to me my old assistant's gone off and become a farmer <laughs> and she's having the best time she's met this guy and I was like wow so what happened so obviously so did you always want to be a hairdresser was that like you come out of school and you went into yeah 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 so yeah. I always 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 wanted to do hairdressing and they kind of um, for want of a better word, tried to put me off because it was a waste of my academic ability. Basically, I went Who to. Who tried to put you off? My my no, my secondary school. Oh, okay. So mum, my mum and dad were very much like whatever makes you happy, Zoe. Like I was very much yeah. into um, dancing, gymnastics. So I, I was never. My sister was always intellectual from such a young age. But I loved reading, but I was so... It's such a cliche. I was so creative. But I was just... I was really into, yeah. like, physical things and to learn. I had yeah. to touch touch things. Where my sister, she would just learn learn things from reading a book and then she'd just be fluent at, at doing anything she put her hand to. Whereas I really had to quite try to do anything. Yeah. Anyway, got into grammar school. Girls, stuffy grammar school. And... Yeah, you have focus days, don't you? Like, okay, so today we're going to do a whole day on, I don't know, the ambulance service, and you get people coming in to give you talks, and yeah. it just bored the hell out of me. Everyone they brought in, I just thought, oh. Um, the only focus day I enjoyed, which is nothing to do with anything I do now, is they bought this huge, um, like, inflatable dome, and you laid in it and they had the stars, like the whole solar system was protect, um, projected. It was incredible. But that's wow. like the only bit of secondary school that I thought, yeah, what this is a bit for? of me. Um, it was called a focus day. So basically you just did a whole day on one subject and all of us did it. So there was like activities and stuff. 
um, and a man came in and basically taught us about the solar system but he was pointing to things on the like it was huge it was like um, you know like a, I don't know if I assume your school hall was probably similar to mine it was like the whole size of where you'd have your assembly like it was oh massive and that was probably the only bit of this this career and like oh, that sounds amazing yeah but that was just what job was one. that for then uh, I have no idea. I think it was probably just keeping us into <laughs> keeping us um, clicked on when it came to actually yeah. listening. But um, wow, I just we did all these focus days, and I just remember thinking, nope, nope, nope. And there was nothing really that kind of got me going. And then um, I think it was probably my mum. So um, I probably went and got my hair cut. I like doing a bit, bit crazy, not crazy in the grand scheme of things but crazy for like a, a stuffy girls school and yeah. I, I used to always get my hair cut by trainee my mum used to want me to go to these posh not posh but you know the salon that she went to and I always wanted to go to see a trainee because they always did what I wanted whereas yeah. other hairdressers that were obviously qualified and stuck in a rut weren't as creative so I always yeah. used to go to this young girl I just got chatting to her and I thought oh, I could probably do this um but instead of actually doing that <laughs> I went to art like an art college okay. um it was called Kyad at the time which was Kent Institute of Art and Design but now I think it's UCA and there's some all over all over the place um so it's a uni now but I basically just sat in a dark room um with my friends and just talked and pretended to do the coursework and never actually What's, did what it. What course did you do? I did a foundation diploma in art and design or something. Okay. Obviously I've I've kept it and I use it every day. <laughs> oh, I don't think I even finished it. I basically just smoked what I shouldn't, drank a lot of cheap booze and yeah. kind of did what every person really does. Um, whether you do that early in life or late in life, I think everyone yeah. has at least a week or two weeks where they kind of lose themselves a bit. But in losing themselves, actually, they think either this isn't how I want to live my life or they just carry on on that, that yeah. way. Um, yeah. So I left and my boyfriend at the time was studying law at um, Queen Mary's in East London. Yeah. And um, he moved to London all my friends went to uni in London. All like all of them went to uni, but I didn't want to go to uni. I knew I didn't. I knew it was just a waste of money for me. Um, so I went on the Friday for a job interview at Cabela in Selfridges, and then I moved in with my boyfriend at the time into his halls, which was literally like a metre by metre square room <laughs> in a single bed. I mean, it was absolutely horrendous, but. And then I started the job on the Monday. So I've gone from like the tiniest village, like there was 150 pupils in my primary school. Like we used to hatch, like hatch total. chicks. Total, 150. Wow. So that's like, what, 25 to 30 in each class. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my school, that's my daughter's school year. Is that's it? That's how much they have each year, yeah. Jesus. Well, no, that's a lie actually, they have 120. Yeah, but that's still no, a lot. No, they don't have 90. Well, it's, it's still a lot. Name. Still a but lot. Yeah, it's still, yeah. That's huge. So yeah, we it was tiny village school you and used like to hatch chicks. So yeah, we would like hatch chicks, and then at the weekend we'd take it in turns to take the chicks home to like care for them over the weekend. And like we had an air raid shelter where we used to do, you know, it was really oldie worldy kind of. Yeah. 
and it was lovely you know don't get me wrong but I was so sheltered like everyone was white everyone was British um we had like a, f a family um they were Sikhs so we literally didn't learn about any other religion except yeah. Sikh and Christian we went yeah. to the church and had to do harvest say thanks for harvest and it was just very as a kid it was probably pretty idyllic and we did the maypole and things like that but yeah then i'm transported into central london living in east london in whitechapel of all places working in selfridges and i was a bit like gay people exist like yeah. i just couldn't <laughs> for me i just couldn't um i couldn't like i was like a sponge like i couldn't suck it up quick yeah. enough um, and yeah. which at 18 is is pretty sad state of affairs like it's not like my mum and dad didn't culture me but we never went on holidays and stuff we used to go to france or we stayed in the uk camping like i never yeah. saw the world which which that could be seen as sad but actually it gave me quite a nice um focus i guess when i moved there like i was so intent yeah. on learning um yeah. so i used to ask loads of questions and i met people in the salon from all over the world both clients and obviously um stylists and yeah and what's funny for me and i always find it really strange is that that blip or whatever while i was in london which is not a blip because it was such a long time is just the polar opposite to my life before london and my life now after london yeah yeah but i never felt like a phony like i never felt like i was like pretending to live a different life I did feel very comfortable, you know, I was anxious yeah. every single day because I hadn't addressed the fact that I suffered from anxiety. But, yeah, it's just so strange. It's so strange for me because I didn't feel like I was living a lie or anything. I just kind of got on with yeah. it. Yeah. And but, it's amazing how different it is when it's not actually that far from when you grew up. No. no I mean, how many, what, is it 40 miles? 50 miles? Well, I, don't know in, I don't know in miles, but if I get on the fast train, I think it's like 25 minutes into um, <laughs> Stratford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not far. No, not at all. And it's so, it is so, so different. And like some of our sheep are in um, South Fleet, which, um, yeah, it's not, you can see London. If you stand in the field with the sheep, yeah. you, you can see London. And, yeah. but it, yeah, it feels it feels far away, and so I you were in Selfridges. Yeah, so that's where I done done my training in in Selfridges, and yeah. then what was that um, like working in there? Um, I didn't know that kind of money existed, which sounds so silly, but like growing no, up, because you can't imagine how much money no people have. Like it's sickening, and yeah. I know that sounds really awful to say, but. It is actually sickening, um, and how little meaning uh, money has to yep. them. So a few things. Yeah. The, the first thing that that scared me is I think I was getting paid um, eighty pounds per week as an apprentice. That yeah. that that money paid for my just about I think my rent. I lived off yeah. my tip. I lived everything off my tips. So yeah. there was a lot of um, Arabic women that used to get their hair done in Selfridges and they wouldn't wash their hair themselves at home. 
they would just only get their hair done in the salon. So when they came in, they would have a wash, a treatment, um, you know, a, a very long shiatsu head massage, and then they'd have the blow dry. They, they wouldn't wash their hair at home themselves. They would just have it done in the salon weekly. And so, and you could have a VIP room. So there was two VIP rooms. So there was either ladies that, um, you know, didn't want to be um, uncovered in front of people. So they'd have the VIP yeah. room. But also there was a lot of women that just didn't want to sit with the peasants. And I know that sounds just unbelievable, but there are so many men as well, but, but mainly women use the salon. And so I got myself quite a cushy job, really, of um, I kind of assigned myself or a stylist assigned me to them. And and they I had blonde hair at the time and they were obsessed. With the, these women, obviously, naturally, their hair is incredibly dark. So they had a fascination with the fact that I was blonde and they all wanted to have hair like me because it was dyed bleach, you know, bleach, like yours, bleach yeah. blonde. yeah. So I built up quite a kind of rapport with a, with a lot of clients and they would ask for me to wash their hair and turns out I was quite good at shiatsu head massage so a lot of people would request me. Yeah. And in doing so, I ended up just absolutely raking it in. They would just <laughs> hand you 50s as tips like it was nothing and I'd yeah, never seen money yeah. like this before. And it was scary, you know, I was buying myself Chanel perfume, I was going to Topshop and spending, you know, 100 quid on clothes, and I'd never been in that position before. And it it was quite, um, it was quite exhilarating, but it was quite scary at the same time, you know. I'd never had a £50 note before, and I, yeah. I was having people handing me these pink notes like they were nothing, and I was kind of checking yeah. if they're real. <laughs> It was insane, and and it was, yeah. and all my friends that were at university obviously are like scraping together enough money for a pouch of tobacco, um, and yeah, it was obviously I haven't got anything to show for that that time I was in Selfridges, and you I was always it. I loved it, but and I've, obviously I was always ringing my dad for money, even though I was, yeah. you just do, don't yeah. you? Yeah, you know, oh, I haven't got any money on my Oyster card, Dad, um, but. Yeah, and then I, they they transferred me to High Street Kensington, and oh. there is a different type of, in Cabela still, there's a different type of money in High Street yes. Kensington to Selfridges. Yes. Selfridges, yeah. you know, it was vulgar, the amount of money, but actually no one ever spoke to me like shit. Yeah. When I went to High Street Kensington, I was suddenly a peasant that swept the hair. And it yeah. very much felt like that. And even as a kind of 18, 19 year old girl, I was not going to be disrespected like that day in yeah. and day out and being snapped yeah. at and not saying please and thank you. So that's when yeah. I went to Tommy Guns. Um, that's when I went to Tommy Guns. And Nicole, obviously, who you know, did the rest of my training. And um, yeah, I, I graduated under her, really. Yeah. Uh, her and a guy called Ricky, who's a really, really good, yes. um, yeah, yeah, really good colorist. Oh, I, I think he's doing. Um, I think he's doing set design now. Oh really? I'm sure I saw on Facebook. It must have been last year. I'm sure I saw him doing like a set design, or because he was an incredibly talented colorist. Yeah. And he was so meticulous. I know. Yeah. He always smelled so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he smelled so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of got under his wing, yeah, his wing, um, Nicole, and um, for men's hair, there was a guy called Charlie that 
there was Charlie, Tom and Rufus and they kind of helped me with the barber inside but I hated doing yeah. men's hair. I hated doing men's hair. For a start, the, the those vintage chairs didn't go down low enough so I could even comfortably cut their hair. Which yeah. meant I ended up having to wear high heels which weren't particularly, you know, comfortable just to feel like I was in control of the situation because I could actually reach. Um, yeah. But I like I love doing the women's hair and, and I did a few... Um, there's a, a guy called Kevin who did a lot of session work and I did I assisted him quite a lot with magazine shoots under some really, you know, influential people at the time. Um, jo like Joanna Lumley and, and yeah. these photographers that I'd been reading about in Vice magazine and suddenly I'm kind of... But I just took it all in my stride. I, I didn't ever really feel that... Considering I was an incredibly anxious person, I would get myself in such a state about getting the tube, for example. Yeah. Because I was claustrophobic. But yeah, I'd stand there, you know, holding holding tongs or chatting away at lunch to these kind of celebrities um, or, well, at the time, probably A-listers, you know. And Yeah. I didn't really th even think about it. Like, I didn't lose sleep the night yeah. before. It's just very strange. Once you're kind of in that world, you're very much in it. Yes, yeah, yeah, but, but it's just normal. It's just normal. Um, yeah. Something I haven't lost in my new life is I will chat like a hairdresser forever. Like, <laughs> and that becomes very apparent to me when I kind of meet people that are farmers or are in the agricultural industry and they're kind of giving me nothing and I kind yeah. of treat them like this. I was saying to I was saying to Chris the other day. So Chris, my my boyfriend, we so he the first time he took me to the livestock market, you know I weren't st stuck to his side, and it's all these old boys, and they're all you know middle aged to sixty seventy year old white males that have not spoken to a young girl in hoop earrings for a very very long time. And I was kind yeah. of just chat chatting to everyone. And Chris said he looked over at one point and he was like, oh my God, like I've lost her. She's gone. <laughs> but I loved it because I just spoke to them like they were sitting in my chair and they were a client, um, yeah. which I think is a, a good skill to have. You know, you can build a relationship with someone in 45 minutes because you want yes. them to come back in six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And Did I think that's quite... Animals? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Um... <laughs> Do you know how it's so shit sometimes It's when it's just me and Chris? Like, day in and day out, on the whole, it's fine. We just got on with the job. And we do have a laugh. Like, we both have quite a good sense of humour. And he's he's a pretty funny guy. And we do have a laugh. But some days, like, if we've had a row at home and then I have to work all day with him, I mean, it's... Yeah. I cannot describe how horrific it is. <laughs> and I do think to myself, oh, oh, I've got all day with you. And so, yeah, I do literally have him to talk to or the animals or the dogs so I think that's why I enjoy the social media side of things so much because I have all these friends to chat to that understand yeah. my life yeah. whereas um in real life I do have like farming friends but not many of them are like me they're either um, got yes. you know got kids or um they're male yeah. th th there's no one whereas online i found like two or three girls that are literally me living in another part of 
the country yeah. or even the world. Yeah. Um, which well, is really nice. nice. It's, it is nice. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's a very isolating job to have because, yes. say, for example, it was your birthday tomorrow and you invited me out for cocktails. If I get a call to say that the sheep are out or someone starts carving or, you know, could be anything they've got to come first and and chances are i have to cancel you last minute yeah um same even when i do things like this and i have meetings and stuff like that quite often i have to reschedule move it around and i just have all my life i've used to feel so guilty about things like that but it has got to the point now where this is actually my livelihood in the animals yes so you kind of they'll come first no matter what yeah, you can't you can't help it. It's not like you've made a plan and then you've decided actually I don't want to nah. do that. I'm going to do it another day. It's all out of your control, isn't it? it? Is. So there's no point feeling bad. And I about think it. I think that was like my biggest lesson. I think was that I so I really I, I've suffered my whole life. I I've got a real phobia of throwing up and being unwell. Like it has got a name, but I can't pronounce it, so I'm I'm not even going to attempt it. And I didn't even oh, wow. know till re- I didn't know till recently that it had a name. Yeah. Um, and so this is this has been with me since probably the age of like five. When I had all my therapy, yeah. we kind of untangled everything. So I've got a real phobia of throwing up. So that's kind of plagued me for such a long time that I have to be in control. It's kind of linked, isn't it? When you throw up, you're not in control of your own body, which is why it would scare you. Therefore, it can become a phobia. So I like to be in control. So that was my biggest thing when I went from hairdressing. Because hairdressing, you very much are in control. You've got 45 minutes or an hour. Boom, 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 boom. Done. See you later. Um, You're planned weeks in advance. Yeah. So unless you're unwell or have a car crash or something, you're going to be there every day doing these clients. And... Then I kind of t- started farming and you are so far out of control that you have to cling on to the bits you are in control of. And for yeah. me, I clung on to those things like bloody tight. So, you know, <laughs> things that I can control is I can control what time I get up in the morning and like my routine before I leave the house for the farm, um, yeah. which makes me sound like a nutter when I say it out loud. But... The, just no, the things that I could like cling on to, I did. Yeah. Um, and because everything else, like if it rains too much or it rains too little, the temperature, if an animal is going to get sick, all of these things, you know, there's only so much. Even things yeah. like how many lambs we scanned the ewes, um, ultrasound the ewes a couple of days ago to see how many lambs they were having. And even that, that's completely out of our control. Yeah. My, my favourite sheep might not be carrying any lambs. Or equally, someone that's actually on their last lambing could be, have triplets and you know that it's going to be so detrimental to her health, but there's nothing you can do because it's nature. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was quite a big thing for me. And Has it helped with your just, anxiety? Yeah. What you do? Yeah. Oh, I haven't even told you. So the reason why I started farming full time, um, so I was hairdressing, so I was, I was in Soho a long time um between the Shoreditch salon and the Soho salon then I moved home to Kent I'd met Chris yeah. which um but how did you meet Chris <laughs> farming dating no worse <laughs> way worse way, way worse so he oh, 
Chris was Chris used to go drinking with us when we were kids. Not when I say yeah. kids, I mean like sixteen, seventeen, and like yeah, yeah. he'd be at house parties, but he had a missus, and I was with a guy. I don't know who I was with at the time, but I was with a guy, and so like his friends, like his boy mates that he used to hang around with, um you know one of my friends was maybe a boy a girlfriend of so like we used to all mingle yeah but he was a year younger than us which when you're at school a year younger is like a huge Massive. deal yeah so he's 18 <laughs> months younger than me so he was little chris he was always yeah. little chris and he weren't even that little but we just used to call him little chris <laughs> little chris um and i didn't fancy him i i don't even remember that much about him he doesn't remember me at all at all <laughs> I only remember him. Do you know what I mean? That like, it's so it's so funny. Oh, anyway, he does. no, he, he actually he actually didn't. Um, uh, and then he started. Um, he asked to be my friend on Facebook before Instagram, before any of that. He asked to be yeah. my friend on Facebook. So we've been together like eight. Just just been eight years actually. Facebook reminded me eight years, and he just started liking all my photos and I went on a holiday to Crete single with my friend Jamie and like obviously we were like topless sunbathing like banging tan we'd worked really hard for our bodies for this holiday and it was like a girl's holiday and we just basically drank on the beach and had a good time he started liking all my pictures and I thought who is this pervert (laughs) liking all my pictures and then he just like slyly well sneakily liking my pictures and not stalking, but he had an eye on me, yeah. and it was obvious. But we never spoke. And then I went home to my mum and dad's for Christmas uh, in Kent from London, and he got wankered basically and sent me a message saying like, "Oh, you're a bit fit," or "Oh, you're fit," and I just thought, <laughs> "Oh God." Here we go. He's finally grown some bollocks and sent me a message after he's been, you know. And um, so I, I can't even remember if I replied or not, but I I don't think I did. And then the next morning he was like, oh, sorry, I had a few sherbets last night. A little bit embarrassed. And then he just wouldn't leave me alone and we was just like to and fro in messaging. And I didn't not fancy him in actual fact his his chat was brilliant and not in a chatting me up way just in yeah, a yeah. and he felt quite familiar because i knew he weren't a dickhead because he was friends with all yeah my boy mates that had literally protected me through thick and thin my whole childhood yeah um yeah then he came up to london for a date and we went to he was late first of all obviously he was wankered and he was late. And in his pocket he had a pair of pants and a toothbrush in his coat pocket. And I just thought, <laughs> oh yeah. I know. It's, we had this like whacking great parker, like Stone Island style parker. And then just a pair of pants and a toothbrush in the pocket. And I just thought, oh my gosh. Um, and I was half cut because I'd been really nervous about this day. And so I hadn't, I you know... Um, you know Nick really well there's quite often you won't eat all day in hairdressing yeah. especially that kind of hairdressing so like I hadn't eaten all day I maybe probably had like a deck of 20 fags and a bite of a croissant like I never yeah. would have eaten and then I was so nervous when I got home I couldn't have dinner so I was just necking I don't even know what I'd have been drinking then something scummy probably and so I was half <laughs> cut he turned up half cut and then we went to the pub 
and he said he was ordering me singles and him doubles but I don't know about that and we ended up learning to do the salsa um, and doing all of these like the jive we learned to do all of these this this couple like 50 60 year old couple took us under our wings and then we were basically ready for street come dancing by the end of this day like it was really quite fun <laughs> And then we went outside for a cigarette, and I, I I used to drink quite a lot, so I didn't think I was a lightweight, but we went out for a cigarette, and it's, it must be because I hadn't eaten all day, and suddenly I was like, you're going to have to take me home. And he went, what? I said, you're going to have to take me home. And he said, if that's you inviting me home, then mm, like that. And I said, no, seriously, like, can you take me home? And he had to unlock my door, and then we, I lived in a flat with two friends, and so he, he you know, we went upstairs, and my friend my two flatmates were pissed off because I was being really loud obviously um, and they had to I think they had to get up for work the next day it might have even been a Sunday I can't really remember but obviously with hairdressing and he was a plumber it doesn't really matter what day it is yeah. and um <laughs> so yeah basically I I was sat I, I remember stripping all my clothes off, but it wasn't in a seductive way. It was more like, I'm so pissed I can't breathe. Like, get the, get, I had like high waisted jeans on. I just had to get them off my body. So I basically stripped off, and he said he just stood there like, because <laughs> he could not, he couldn't even, he couldn't, he said he felt guilty looking at me. I was that pissed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He felt, yeah, we've, yeah. we've all been there. Anyway, I projectile vomited down the stairs. Um, in, bearing in mind I've got such an extreme phobia of throwing yeah. up um, this was like a momentous like I'd never thrown up from alcohol before prior to this oh, day wow. never like I never let myself be sick first of all or let myself get so out of control that I was going to be sick yes yeah yeah um, still had a good time and still but it also made me very good at drinking because a lot of people make themselves sick don't they when they've had too much yeah. whereas I just no Anyway, he said I look fit even when I was throwing up, which is a gold star, isn't it? Um, yeah. He said he, he said he never said that as well. He was like, babe, I never said that. <laughs> Definitely did. So I'm standing over the toilet in a bra and knickers, projectile vomiting over the toilet. He's standing there with a glass of water thinking, what have I let myself in for? And then the rest is history, really. Um, so that's how we met. Um, that was eight eight years ago. And that's a really fun... So what, was he a farmer at the time? No, he was a plumber. He was a plumber. Oh, okay, right. So he okay, lived yeah. here in Kent and he used to commute to South London. Um, okay, yeah. Do all sorts, of, all sorts of boiler work. and He used to do some work in like old people's homes and stuff like that and building sites. Um, so he was basically a tradie. Um, yeah. In terms of his attitude and how he kind of carried himself, which is yeah. then very different from a farmer yeah very different his dad his dad was a so his his dad and his granddad i don't know if it goes back further than that were farmers his right. dad so chris's granddad died when the dad was young and then yeah. chris's dad died when he was young so oh. he he died when he was 12 Okay. So he oh. went and lived with his mum and then went into plumbing. He, right. I, don't, I don't think he ever thought he would go into farming again. I think he just had like fond memories of childhood, but I don't think he ever saw it as a career path. Yeah. I mean, 
Like, I'd have to check it with him, but I don't. I don't think that was ever yeah like his goal. He was earning good money as a plumber, so he kind of yeah just did that. And um, oh, it's this. See, the story of how we are here is like a whole podcast <laughs> in itself, and I'm always so aware of that. But if I condense it. Then it just no, doesn't make no, sense. You, it doesn't make sense. No, you have to speed me up and do like the new thing on WhatsApp <laughs> where it speeds up the voice. Um, so Chris went travelling with his friend um, and they went to Asia and did various... Before you got together Before me. Together. So okay. yeah. he come back from travelling in the July and we yeah. got together in the January. Right. Okay. So he was... <laughs> He went travelling and was just stupid, like, went to all the full moon parties, basically yeah. ate, ate and drank out of gutter. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we've we've also all been in those situations yeah. or know someone. <laughs> and he, yeah. he got dengue fever, um, which is basically a mosquito bite. Um, so, like, I guess malaria in a sense, but it's called a hemorrhagic fever. So he was, like, bleeding from every orifice, like his eyes, his gums. Oh, my yeah. God. And his temperature was through the roof. And so that his mate was like, mate, you need to go to hospital. So he went to hospital in Vietnam, in Hanoi. And they they basically said to him, like, you're not going to survive. You're not going to survive the night. So he was so sick, but he had his iPad and he was, like, record, video recording himself on his iPad doing his will and things like that because he was just... They just said... Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, which is a huge thing, but he never really acts like it's a big deal, which I just... I can't get... But it's just boys, isn't it? So that, there's a type of free-living yeah, boy I'm... that's just buries it also i guess if he was that sick he probably couldn't really but you know like when you when you're ill you're not with it are you so yeah maybe you can't actually comprehend what actually happened because he wasn't with it enough when no. it was happening to really do you know what i mean yeah it but like, like a dream. they said do you want to ring your mum?" and he was like what's the point i'm gonna die when she's on the plane and she'll probably have a heart attack so what's the point kind of thing yeah like it was really really bad Fucking thank hell. god i weren't with him because can you imagine <laughs> From a no. selfish point of view, thank God. And, um, yeah, so he come home in the July, or maybe it was in the August, and then, yeah, we got together in the January. So he didn't well, die, obviously. He didn't die, He's, he didn't die. So did he come home straight away as soon as he kind of uh, come out of hospital? No. Did he carry on party? He, he, he discharged himself <laughs> for a full moon party. Seriously. Which oh, is why we well. are in this absolute disaster that we're in. Because he didn't rest. He went to this full moon party. He come home here, he's plumbing and then like refurbing a house, like gutting a house and refurbing it and just going mental. And he's got ADHD, Chris, so he's very much like blah, million miles an hour. Always on the go. Like he would used to get up at four go to the gym, do a full day's plumbing, go home, have some dinner, drive to South London again to see me in Stoke Newington and we'd go out for dinner. Like, he was just a nutter. And he just wow. had, like, untold amounts of energy. Like, he just... Yeah. And then he... Um, yeah, he kept getting, like, little wobbles and being a bit dizzy and stuff. But he just thought, well, you know, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm burning a lot of calories. It's just that. Yeah. Because um, he was like an Adonis. Like, he used to go to the gym so much. Not saying he's not now. But he 
like his body was his temple like he used to eat turkey yeah. mince meatballs as like for lunch that's yeah. so grim in it that's so grim <laughs> and i just used to remember because i was slim because i didn't eat i was not healthy um whereas he was literally like carved by angels i remember the first time he took his top off me being like oh shit i better put my t-shirt back on <laughs> Because I felt so inferior, like I literally looked like a pre prepubescent boy, and there's this like I honestly it was so I remember so vividly thinking, oh shit, that's way better than I ever imagined. But it didn't like blow me away. Like I'm not one of these girls that will go weak at the knees with muscles. Like yeah, it's nice to look at, but actually, yeah. if they've got their arm around you in bed, it's actually really uncomfortable because you can't breathe because yeah, yeah. your neck's like getting crushed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's completely gone off topic. And anyway, so he didn't get sorry when he came home after all that. He didn't get checked out by the doctors or. Oh yeah, he went to the doctors. Oh, and the doctor said you need to take it easy. Oh okay, right. Yeah, he because did. Because what does it do to you? This. Thing? So it's something to do with your platelets in your blood. Right. And you have a really high fever. Um, I can't. I probably should have probably know this, but it's just um, it's like malaria, like huge fever, halluc- you right. know, hallucinations, um, and yeah, all his organs took a battering, and it was just anyway. When he come come home, the doctor said like, take it easy, mate. Um, yeah, I think he had to get checked out at home because he needed. Um, paperwork so he could claim on his insurance right, for okay. all his treatment in Asia on his yeah. health insurance um, because he'd racked up some hefty hefty bills by the time he got back and then yeah so we were like dating and he kept having a little wobbles and then he drove up to London he had to pull over on the motor to see me and he had to pull over on the side of the motorway and he said he had like t- tunnel vision right, yeah. um, and it was a panic attack but he'd never had a panic attack before because he was just so easygoing. Like, he'd never yeah. even knew what anxiety was. So for him, it was, like, a quite a big moment there. And, you know, anyone that's ever had a panic attack, you remember your first one because you think you might die. Yeah. And he managed yeah. to get, get to me, and he was like, oh, God, I was really awful, and he was really out of it. And he woke up the next day, and he was fine. We went for breakfast. He said, oh, I might just have a bug or something. You know, I think I'm fine. But I thought it sounded like a panic attack. But because he'd never had one before, yeah, it's very difficult to kind of tell someone they've had something when they, they've they never experienced yes. it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying yeah. to say, oh, I've, that's that happens to me before, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, no, no, no. Anyway, we went for breakfast, went to get on the train because we were going to see the baby sloths at um, London Zoo. And one of the sloths had babies, and obviously, being the romantic chap he is, he was taking me to the baby sloths, which is such a cop-out, by the way, because... Don't you think that's a cop-out day? I do. It's lovely, but I just think baby sloths, they're going to be a 10 out of 10 day, no matter what, no matter who you're with. Like, it's just no imagination's gone into that. Anyway, we never made it to see the baby sloths, because... We, we went to get on the train. It was the overground at Dalston we were getting on. And it's yeah. quite like a spacey... Like it, yeah. And I just turned around and he was just on the floor with his head between his knees. Sat on the floor. I was like, um, babe, you okay? And um, he was like, nah, I'm not fine. And he'd had the funny turn again. 
and I literally he had to have his arm around me and he was just staring at the floor and I had to walk him back to our well, my, my flat yeah. um and yeah and I had to ring his had to ring his mum off his phone and say you're gonna have to drive to London and get Chris like he's had a real funny turn and he felt like he was gonna be sick and it was just awful and anyway long story short he was in bed for almost a year after that and the doctors oh kept my God. yeah the doc- so we'd been together like less than a month like 3 weeks maybe like 3 weeks of solid dating like we knew we were together yeah, but yeah, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing and yeah maybe it was a month and um he kept going to the doctors and saying look I cannot get out of bed and they were saying, oh, it's depression, it's depression. And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I can't get myself a glass of water. It's taken me all the energy for me to come here today. I can't even drive myself. Like, you need to help me. And they kept saying, it's depression or it's post-viral fatigue. It's post-viral fatigue. He was like, this isn't right, fatigue. Yeah. Like, I think I'm dying. And I thought, I genuinely thought he he, he was dying of, he, I thought he'd contracted, like, I don't know a, a, a weird strain of disease yeah, yeah, while he'd been away yeah. or I even thought I made him have like HIV tests I made him have every yeah. test under the sun um and like me and his mum were like up all night researching online of what it could potentially be and and making him do all these diets and in the end we had to see a private you know we borrowed some money and, and saw a, a, a private rheumatologist um and he basically said you've got ME he said, ME is such a blanket um, diagnosis, but we don't know enough about it in terms of science to kind of give you a direct, but you have ME. And there were, he was offered two treatments. The real severe treatment would... So basically his immune system was fighting itself, fighting itself, fighting itself, and it was just stuck in a rut. Is that what ME is? yeah. So it's an autoimmune disease and it's, yeah, in layman's terms, your your immune system fights itself continually so you're in fight or flight mode all the time. So he'd be wired sometimes, like he was on pills. Like he literally would look at me and he'd be like, he'd just dropped a, a bomb of MDMA. Yeah, like he was yeah. literally like jittering, all sorts. And then sometimes like he would just, he wouldn't even be able to understand what I'm saying. It was really rough. Oh my um, god! But was that from what he got in yeah. Asia, or it, it yeah. was? It caused it. Yeah. So yeah. So it basically it it basically kicked off his immune system, and and since then the specialist has said it could have been food poisoning, it could have been a virus, it could have been you know anything that had set it off. But for you, it was the dengue fever that that set it off in wow. you. Wow. Wow. Um, so it's it's pretty grim, but there was like two maybe not alternative treatments but the nhs wouldn't have one was chemotherapy and one were these anti-malarial drugs which he's still on um called hydrox hydroxychloroquine so he takes two of those a day and they basically suppress his immune system enough that it's not fighting itself therefore he's not having all these problems um so yeah he's still on them drugs now other stuff yeah suppressing his immune system yeah so like during the pandemic pandemic we've had to be in, in, incredibly careful um I'll, I'll be honest we're still not doing a crazy amount of social things because he's had oh, his two right. jabs after the 24th but... of march it's all going away if you're not oh, I seen know. i know i did see something that said that but we haven't really changed the whole 
time, you know, we've, we still wear the masks in there because at the yeah. end of the day, his, it's a virus that did this to his yep. body. So in actual fact, if he were to catch another one, I don't really fancy taking that gamble of him having it. You don't know how he's going to be because it's such no. varied effects on people. Until you've got it, you don't know how you you're going to be with it, do you? And it's just so not worth the I risk. don't want to be the one that gives it to him, frankly. No, no, and no, he, so we're just doing our own thing, and and it is sad. Like we are missing out on doing things with our our friends and and stuff like that. But at the end of the day. We, we lost one of our, well, Chris's best friend died um, a couple of years ago. And when something like that happens, and obviously we both, both of, I haven't even told you why I'm in farming. I'll have to go back to that. <laughs> both of us, both of us don't have dads. Right, yeah. My dad dying was the reason I quit the salon and went into farming full time. His dad obviously right. died when he was younger. Then we lost his best friend, who is a good friend of mine as well. And after that, it's like, shit actually your health is actually quite important so actually giving up going to the pub is rough but equally i really don't want to take that risk that you know these people can just die like that yeah so it's made me see things a bit differently and i'm not as reckless anymore as i was um but he so yeah yeah so after he had this so he started how long did it from him being so sick how long did it take to get him on the right medication was it a very long oh, process or did yeah. they kind of... Yeah. <laughs> it was an absolute... The NHS um, are absolutely brilliant in, a, in in such a varied range of um, conditions and situations. But when you're going to a GP for something that is completely... Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but like, although, although it's, it's common-ish... There's not a huge range of scientific knowledge about yeah. ME and chronic fatigue syndrome and these kind of... Because some of it's psychological, um, some of it is physical, yeah. and it kind of... It's in the realms of the unknown, in a sense. Yeah. So the doctors wouldn't automatically think of that. Um, and your bloods are all normal. That's yeah. the thing. So they're looking at your bloods and they're they're seeing that you're normal. They're doing a heart. Um, can't remember what it's called for the heart. Heart scan, absolutely yeah. normal. They're doing all of these tests and he's normal. So there's nothing wrong with him. Essentially. Oh. Um, but this pri- we when we 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 ended up going private um, as like a throw everything in the kitchen sink at him to yeah. try and tell what's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rheumatologist pretty much. Um, nailed it and yeah the the medication came quickly after but yeah he he was he was nearly in bed for a year that's Um, amazing how old was he uh so that would have been 22 (laughs) fucking hell 23 maybe and healthy oh yeah like person that's shocking it's scary and i think he thought when he was in asia and like discharging yourself from a near-death experience to to go and get wrecked on a party island like he genuinely thought he was untouchable yeah and i think we all do to a certain extent at that age don't we yeah and he thought well i'm fit and healthy like i'll get over it and obviously he didn't and that was a huge wake-up call for us and actually quite a lot of our friends as well it was quite a big wake-up call yeah, of, I bet. 
but no one truly understand like even you know apart from our direct family no one truly understands his illness yeah do you know what i mean like no yeah. one truly because no one saw him in bed where actually he couldn't string a sentence together or when he's heaving over the toilet because you know we had a little play around in bed kind of, do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. normal just starting a relationship things that we should have been doing he had to prep for for days so we oh, I, I remember yeah. we went to where did we go i think we went to like um the beach or something like that and that he would be in bed for like a week not being able to move after wow so but i didn't mind because uh, I'd fallen in love with him really in at his worst. It sounds so cliche, yeah. but like I fell in love with him while we were having like one word conversations in 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 bed really. Um, so yeah, you kind of I didn't say like oh, this is forever or anything like that, but I kind of I did know that um, it was maybe a bit deeper than a few of the like flings that I'd had in London. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel. What, when I look back, I didn't feel um, it's probably the most selfless I've ever felt because I just it was so painful to see someone go from being so wild to actually feeling like they have nothing left. It was yeah. quite humble, humbling, I guess. Um, but yeah, so the story of so why he, i'm a farmer <laughs> yeah so he so, so chris got I mean, wrecked good on you for staying i mean you must I love him yeah you i must did have loved him to be with someone yeah. that, that young and all that stuff happen yeah because i was still living in london so during the week yeah. i was obviously being like mental and then i would be getting all dressed up to see my new boyfriend and then come back and i'd literally just lay in bed and i'd put sons of anarchy on the on the tv and he would be literally with his eyes shut or looking through the TV because he can't focus on anything. Yeah. So it was pretty shitty. Well, very shitty. But it's kind of one of them things, like, he lost a lot of his good years, but then it kind of secured to him, actually, I, don't, I can't be a plumber anymore. So it's a bit of a brutal yeah. lesson, but... He kind of got yeah. there in the end. And then, yeah, so he started to get a little bit better... And I don't know, I think it might have even been his mum suggested about us getting um, a pup, getting a puppy, um, to kind of give him a kick up the arse to start getting his fitness yeah. back and things like that. So we bought Indy, she's a Springer Spaniel, she's still alive, and um, probably for the first like month he thought it was a mistake and that he couldn't cope and it was like a real wobble. But yeah. his his mum was amazing and his stepdad was amazing. And so, yeah. And then he started teaching her to be... Um, so he used to go shooting as a kid with his dad. Um, yeah. and, and he used to go shooting um, with Indy. So she would... Um, uh, like, she'd flush out the f pheasants. So he'd train her yeah. to turn on a whistle, turn on a whistle. All the pheasants would fly up and then the people in the, the shooting line would then shoot the pheasants. Which he used to do um, as a kid. So he started meeting up with all his dad's old friends and obviously chatting to them and stuff. And then he rang me from Ashford Livestock Market and, and I was in the salon and he told me that he bought some sheep. 
and I kind of was like, oh yeah, babe, like whatever, you know. It's none of my. Bi- I felt like it was none of my business. I felt like this yeah. was him. This was him, like going back to his roots, and what I would yeah. do whatever to make him happy and whatever yes. to yes. make him yeah. well. So if he wants to go buy some sheep, like fuck it, I'm, Sorry, I'm on board. F- Forgive my ignorance, but obviously yeah, yeah. I don't know fuck all about this. But yeah, obviously, yeah. if you he didn't then take the sheep home with him. Home, did no. He? No, so no, 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 no. So what happens with that? Do you, if you so, don't have somewhere where you can keep them? You've got to have a... You've got To keep sheep, you've got to have something called a CPH number, which is basically... I, I don't know how many acres you've got to have, but... So he couldn't just bring them home into our garden. And same with, like... So I've got pygmy goats now, and a lot of people want them as pets, but unless you've got a CPH number, you can't keep yeah. livestock. So he had to get... Um, so he moved them onto his friend's holding number or his dad's friend um holding number just down the road um while we put in for our own holding number so we had to wait till we rented a bit of land for ourselves for us to then get a cph number and then they could be transferred onto there so we just borrowed this bit of land and then i remember him saying oh yeah by the way babe they're gonna be lambing in a couple of weeks and I, I think it's three weeks or something, and I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it all started from there, and we've now got, six, I think we're lambing 650 ewes. Wow, what so, does lambing yeah, mean? Um, having their babies. So they, they, you do, do you just help so them have their babies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll have their yeah. babies, and then their babies are about, for us, about, seven or eight months then obviously go off to be lamb and enter the food chain or now we've got a little farm fridge they you know we put we sell the meat direct yeah um to the consumer but so how did it go from you buying these three sheep or whatever it would and how do you get how do you rent land where do you (laughs) no it's not a silly question at all not a sin- like, don't like- don't feel silly. It's not a silly question at all. <laughs> Trust me, I was the same. Um, so, yeah. So his dad's friend, you know, offered us a bit of land to rent. Um, right. Okay. Wasn't so he very had a big. No, he did, but this was like a separate off a different farmer. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so we had that, and then just from chatting to people in the livestock market we got another bit of land to rent yeah so we rented a bit of land and then we rented another bit of land um of farmers and then we used this so like say we'd drive past and there was an empty field um chris would chris got this like um like business card type thing in postcard size and he would just leave it in people's gates where there was empty fields saying, do you, do could we, uh, do you need someone to graze this area? We're looking at building up our flock, blah, 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 yeah. blah. So he used to do that and we'd, you know, email people and God knows what else. Um, so yeah, now we, we probably rent about nine different locations now. But yeah. we still don't own a farm, and I don't think we ever will own a farm. Oh, well, and we so don't you live don't actually... on the farm. Oh, really? So no, I totally no, no. thought you had a farm. No, no, no. We just rent little bits of land. Yeah. And, you know, one of them has a barn on, so that's like our farm. But we yeah. just pay to pay to rent it, and then we live about 20 minutes away from there. Okay. 
Yeah, so I don't think we'll really ever own a farm. I mean, they're like millions in gold dust, um, and that's fine. But we would look, we would be looking for like a tenant farm, so a farm yeah. that had enough acres to hold all our animals. Yeah, because we've got um, cattle, and got, we've got about oh, I think we're, I think we've got about fifty goats that are going to be giving birth this spring. But we've got the last year's kids as well, so we've probably got like seventy or eighty goats as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's 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 quite an operation. <laughs> Hi, thank you for listening. Isn't she lovely? And we gets the story carried carries on next week. I can't even talk. So yeah, look forward to that. Thank you for listening. Big love to you, as always. Appreciate your support. Please share and subscribe. If this is your first listen, then I've got loads of other lovely episodes, so check them out. Um, Check out the Epic Mum Chat as well on YouTube. And I think that is about it. Sorry if I moaned a bit in the beginning about my ill health, but it's... Do you know what it is? It's about drawing people's attention to it because so many women suffer and it's just we suffer in silence and it's not spoken about and it's just seen as part of being a woman and it's not it's bullshit so yeah and if anyone wants to come and give me a cuddle as well then i'm more than happy for that as well so yeah hit me up <laughs> so yeah big love to you all stay safe and sane shout me if you want anyone to come on the podcast I always like a suggestion at Mum and Mum Pod. And I will see you next Work. week. Big up. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.